terrifying sounds ever recorded. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more with your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. Hello, what's going on? I'm Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 309. Thank you so much for joining us for the celebration of the very best genre in the world. If you'd like to watch the video version of this show right here, you can do that now via Bloody Disgusting TV. It's available on Roku, Sling, Vizio, Smartcast, and more. You can check out the on-screen programming guide for showtimes and schedule this time around. Come along with us on the search for Sasquatch with the team from Expedition Bigfoot. The time of release, Season 3, just started on Travel Channel and Discovery Plus Sundays, 10-9 Central for new episodes. Bryce Johnson, Dr. Maria Mayer, Russell Acord, and Ronnie LeBlanc reveal new and exciting evidence unearthed during their latest adventures in attempting to uncover one of the world's greatest mysteries. We talk about the legendary Patterson-Gimlin film, some of the fascinating stranger aspects of Bigfootery, powerful witness testimony and stories, plus what to expect on an absolutely thrilling Expedition Bigfoot Season 3. They are back in Washington, ready to rock. Episode 309 is now playing. For months now, this is where we've all wanted to be. Coming back, I was afraid that we may have lost that trail. And we wouldn't find anything more. But that is not what's happening here. Oh. There's something moving right behind you. It begins now. We have unfinished business. Come on, baby. Take off. We're set. I want to try things this time around that no one has ever done before. That looks like a person. There's something there, Russell. We trapped. We know we're close. That's a heat signature. That's up in the tree. We know the behavior that we followed last year. Something's moving towards me, Ronnie. We know it breathes. I feel like I'm standing in a kill zone right here. Something like that could just snap you like a twig. We know it bleeds. Is it blood? This is an animal. That's insane. And an animal can be found. Look, 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 look. Holy Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is a fascinating collective of scholars, researchers, writers, and truth seekers who have come together with one focus to prove the existence of the creature known as Bigfoot. The team is here with you now. He is an award-winning actor, producer, and voice artist who is a vital part in changing the direction of television all the way back to his early work in the groundbreaking show Popular. He's been on 
on Gilmore Girls, a 45-time award-winning series Pretty Little Liars, American Horror Story, and he was ahead of the curve on franchises like The Walking Dead with MTV's brilliant Death Valley and starred in one of the best found footage and the most terrifying horror films ever made, actually, Bobcat Goldthwaite's Willow Creek. He also hosts a highly acclaimed paranormal podcast, Bigfoot Collectors Club. We welcome Bryce Johnson. Also that, was ama- that was amazing. <laughs> wow, wow. wow. Thank you. Like, Who is this guy? I can't wow. wait to meet him. Wow. Take a bow, man. Also, you're this former cheerleader with the NFL, now a two-time Emmy-nominated world-renowned anthropologist and scientist, National Geographic's first female wildlife correspondent, has hosted dozens of award-winning documentaries. She's also the Director of Exploration and Science Communication at FIU, is a best-selling author, and through her explorative work, helped discover a brand new species of primate in Madagascar. She is a rebellious adventurer and a true inspiration. It's Dr. Maria Mayer. (laughs) Next up, a retired military sergeant and survivalist also works in nuclear safety. He's been researching Bigfoot since the 70s, writer of the acclaimed Bitterroot series of Bigfoot novels. He runs the International Bigfoot Conference. It is Russell Acord. And finally, one of the world's most renowned and respected experts and researchers in the paranormal UFOs and Bigfoot. He's been featured on Coast to Coast AM, gives regular lectures at the biggest events associated with the unexplained across the globe. His best-selling Monsterland books are known as the most powerful written on the topics. Host of the Monsterland podcast, he is Ronnie LeBlanc. Yeah. 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 All right, so their hit series, Expedition Bigfoot, returns for its third season March 20th on our most favorite, the Travel Channel and Discovery Plus. Once again, Bryce Johnson, Russell Acord, Ronnie LeBlanc, and Dr. Maria Mayer. Thank you. That was amazing. Thank you. So thank you guys all so much for spending time with us. Congratulations on the kickoff to a very exciting season three. And what makes this show so fantastic and unique is because of the individual skills of what you guys bring. It's such an eclectic team coming together and not only are the discoveries validated but they are presented in such a thrilling way that makes it so fun to experience in real time along with you so my first question goes out to the good dr maria now ten thousand bigfoot sightings in the last 100 years in your expert opinion from what you have seen thus far in the field with expedition bigfoot in particular does bigfoot exist Uh uh-oh Oh, you're going to start off easy, are you? That's great. Right in there. All right. So it's funny you would ask because I had this conversation, as you'll see in the pre-show, with Dr. Jane Goodall. One of the things that has happened, for me anyway, is that I came into this expedition, of course, not really having any preconceived notions about anything because I had never researched Bigfoot, didn't really even give it much thought, if I'm honest. And one of the things that has happened throughout the multiple expeditions that we've had is that while I came into this with a really open mind that the possibility certainly exists, I've truly experienced and seen things that science can't explain. And I I bring up Jane because we, we talked about it at length and how you can't explore science behind closed doors, right? You have to have that open mind. But one of the things that I find really challenging when I'm out there is when, you know, I'm looking for for physical, irrefutable evidence so that I could answer your question very clearly with either a flat yes or a flat no. But the truth is, is that a lot of what happens out there is not something that I can explain 
with science. And that I think is where, where the really tricky part comes in. But the witness accounts are incredibly important to all of this. And that's one of the reasons that, as you'll again, see in, in this interview with Jane, and I think it'll really shock people what she says, these these eyewitness accounts are incredibly valuable and it's something that we use in the field when we're looking for for other known species like whether it's chimpanzees or gorillas they hold keys and you know pieces of the puzzle that the truth is these people are are really risking a lot by coming forward with these stories most of them not only will they not gain something they have a lot to lose and so i really rely on a lot of those you know, stories and and anecdotes, because the truth is, is that even if only one of them is true, then you have enough reason to believe that there's a creature out there. Doing this show, what is the craziest thing that you've experienced personally that science can't explain? Oh, my gosh, there are so many examples of that. But uh, there's there's one particular moment where I see something in front of me. And I mean, I, I can see it clear as day. And when I, I, I've got, you know, I've got the, the thermal on it, meaning I, I can see like the heat signature clear as day and it's, and it's huge and it's right directly in front of me. And I turn my flashlight on at the moment so that I can see it with the naked eye, right? And there's nothing there. And so I shut my light off again. The heat signature is still there. And now I start to observe what almost looked like little floating lights over its head. And the really weird thing about that is that thermal cameras don't pick up light. They only pick up heat. And so again, I turn my flashlight on and there, and, and I'm watching the creature with head and shoulders, something walking upright in front of me. And when I turn the light on again, again, it's not there. And, you know, for the life of me, I can't explain it. There was nothing wrong with our gear. So, and, and there were other witnesses there with me sort of just as puzzled about what was going on in front of us. And I can't explain that away with science. And that's really just one. And there's one even better than that, but I can't tell you about it because it's in the upcoming season. But even better. That's that's my favorite. I'm sorry, like even better. I mean, Ronnie can attest to that one. It is like mind blowing. And to this day, I'm not joking. I will wake up thinking about it, trying to make some sense of it logical explanation there is none and that one has me completely baffled oh we can't wait to go on this ride with you guys it's been so fun up to this point I mean, it's we can't, we're so happy that it's back yeah. again all right i wanted to go to bryce for this one just for the people who aren't familiar with the the whole concept of the tv show i just wanted to hear from you the seeds of how this team came together how this whole thing started well really you know, became about trying to move this ball forward on the Bigfoot phenomenon. And and what better way than to use, you know, cutting edge technology and some of the best scientific and researchers in the field. So it was really about taking this subject seriously and, and, you know, trying to get as much evidence as we can. And that's why we've put together such a, such an incredible group with diverse skill sets that can get this job done. Uh, And that's what we're out to do. We're out to uh, paint a picture that Bigfoot does exist and that uh, people are experiencing something out in the woods. And Russell, can you talk about your involvement, how you came on board and uh, a bit of how the maybe the rest of the team was chosen and what you think it is about those choices that makes this expedition so powerful? 
Oh, I want to hear this, Russell. (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of it has to do with because I've been involved in it for quite a while. I've always been um, kind of looking, researching since the 70s. So I had a lot of time in the field where it was just about the research for me. It was about trying to find something I needed to to know for myself. I mean, I've heard stories like everybody else that I mean, some very, very compelling stories and people have experiences that are really hard to dismiss because they're people that are honest. So you can't throw all that away. I think um, one of the reasons I got chosen for it is because of that piece of the experience. But the fact that I'm one of those ex-military guys that just hard charging and maybe uh, half stupid and half crazy to where I'll just, I'll look into anything, advance and see what it is. And I've, I've spent most of my life, especially even in a military setting, out in the open and out in the field. So, you know, between Maria, Ronnie, and Bryce, Bryce brings the technology that I couldn't get my hands on to save my life. Ronnie brings a different perspective that we don't always agree, but we always respect each other's perspective. But a lot of stuff that he's shown me and forced me to, uh, you know, to face has um, got me scratching my head a lot. Then you've got Dr. Maria. She's not going to um, take a story and call it good. She needs validation backed up with data that's backed up with science. That's why this team, that's what I love about being able to work with this team, be all the sides of it. Ronnie, going to you, taking a look at the Patterson-Gimlin Bigfoot film, the footage taken in Bluff Creek, California in 1967. It's tra- that's something, uh, part of the Bigfoot lore that is deeply transcended into pop culture and has become a part of our iconography, really. Talk about its significance and where that currently sits in the eyes of researchers and enthusiasts. I mean, for me, and I, I think uh, the team, you know, it, it's one of those monumental pieces of evidence out there right now um our our hope my hope is that we're going to produce something that's going to be better than that i mean i think that's the goal that everyone's trying to to achieve when you're out there you want to have that that clear shot and i think it's one of those uh pieces of evidence that has not been disputed people have tried but when you look at the the type of academy award-winning uh, outfits that were out at the time in comparison to, to that uh, in the sense of someone trying to wear a costume, it's like night and day. So I think it still holds the test of time. And I think it's one of those um, things I think we're really grateful to have. And it was very, uh, I think, synchronicity for, for them to be there to, to get that footage. And, you know, I, I just want to say, too, for the fans of the show, we have a nice little treat for those who are familiar with and those who haven't even heard of the Patterson-Gimlin film. Uh, there's a nice little treat for all involved uh, in this season. I can't wait uh, for viewers to see what we did. Oh, that's so fun. I also, that, I mean, that's another whole thing about this show that, that we love so much is un, it unlocks a lot more about the history of these creatures with a very deep dive, showing us things that we have not heard about that are out there as 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 far as evidence and things go. One of those uh, for me was the Marble Mountain film of 2001. I was wondering if someone could just tell the listeners about what that is. Any, any of you oh. guys can go for it. Yeah. Oh yeah, well that's that's the where a, a, a troop of scouts uh, recorded a uh, they called it a ridge walker. It's this large creature walking the ridge of the mountain. Is that the video you're referring to? Yeah, that's it. It's crazy. Yeah, well, 
I had the pleasure of speaking with the young gentleman. It, his name eludes me right now, but the one who filmed it, he was there with his father. Uh, his father filmed it. He was there with a Boy Scout troop. And that video is one of my absolute favorite because you can clearly see this huge creature with these long arms that go past its knees walking along this ridge. And they only saw this creature because moments before they had come upon this nest, this large made structure that looked like it was like a bedding with a roof for a large animal and uh, much similar to the nest that we found in Oregon. And they look up with their camera and they see this creature and it looks like it's upset because it stumbled onto its camp. But uh, it, that's one of those videos that are so compelling. And to be able to speak with the kid who was there, he's now an adult who said, you know, that was something that kind of scared us all. And, uh, you know, they got a real implication that that was the creature who made the nest and that it was, in fact, a Bigfoot. It was so far away and so big. They were in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but that was a pretty life changing encounter for them. But, you know, this is the mystery that we're trying to unfold here. And we run up against so much stuff like that where we're hearing things we're seeing things we're we're finding evidence that's left behind and i mean it's it's the adventure of a lifetime and uh i'm really excited for everybody to because uh, just more stuff happened this season it's yeah, it was really insane. one of our most active seasons yet oh my god so Bryce, <laughs> if you came face to face with a bigfoot what would you do like i was thinking about oh what i would do i would run away but what would yeah. you all do? Oh, my God. I'd probably run away, too. I've thought about it. Like, <laughs> if, that, if that fight or flight response hit me, I think I'm out of there. I know what well, Russell would do. That's good Russell to would know, go Bryce. in and, and probably Ronnie, too. And Maria, too. I think I'd be the only one that'd be like, I'm out. <laughs> well, I'd like to hear it. Russell. Russell, man, what would you do if you came face to face with one? You, you put yourself in some crazy situations out there in the dark, dude. I've been asked that question quite a few times, and literally, if I came face to face with Bigfoot, I'd grab a fistful of chest hairs, get a selfie, and run like hell. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, how about you, Doctor Maria? I mean, as you know, you've come face to face with things before that haven't been discovered. I would imagine it'd be hard to let emotions not take over. So, as in so far as what hasn't been discovered, we're talking about the world's smallest primate. So, a little bit different in the <laughs> say the fear factor. But, um, but I've come face to face with many a silverback, some incredibly angry that comes charging forward uh, rather aggressively. And the fact is, is your you know your adrenaline goes. Um, but I, when I go into the field, I have this mindset where there's calculated risk, right? If, especially when you're in in the wilds, you're working with large animals that if they wanted to rip you apart, they could, right? So it's no different in that way. My objective would be no different than when I come face to face with like that large silverback, except with the silverback, we know what to pretty much what to expect. We know textbook behavior. We know how to read the signs, whether or not they are being seriously aggressive or not. I think in this situation, it's going to be a lot of a, a gut call, if you will, which has saved me a million times over in the field. You sort of know whether you're pushing too hard, whether you should scale back a bit, you know, to read an animal, whether or not it's threatened or whether or not it's being threatening. And so I, I look at it in the very same way. My objective would be to document it. I mean, without a doubt, if I come face to face with the very thing that I'm searching for, you better believe that I'm going to want 
real evidence of it. Um, I wouldn't just let that slide by the wayside for sure. I would argue that you guys all put yourselves in um, very precarious situations, almost uh, one could argue reckless, a few of them dumping uh, pheromones <laughs> via drone, things that I've never really seen done before in the uh, in the search for Bigfoot or Dr. Mariah, when you stand in there pumping what is a purported recording of a Bigfoot call in the middle of the woods at night and hearing something come back at you, you know, some might mm-hmm. say reckless behavior. Ronnie, what do you what do you comment on people who would argue that you guys are all putting yourself at risk? I mean, that's kind of the idea here for for following us. We're trying to get evidence, but we're also trying to get that encounter. I know we're all looking to have that moment where we can lay our eyes on it. I would love to be able to touch it, you know, but I don't think I'll have that opportunity. But it's one of those things that, you know, this is uh, a lot of people would kill to be in this position to have this opportunity to have the technology to have this amazing team put together and go out there and i i am one of those uh, eternal optimistics that i'm i think that we're gonna find <clears throat> something that's really gonna shatter uh, what people have as their worldview right now and i think we're gonna keep on chipping away at that uh, every time we go out well, I would also argue that it that it would be reckless if we didn't actually know what we were doing. I mean, the the fact is is that we're all pretty experienced and skilled in in the field, and that when you do these experiments, right, the only way that you're going to have any sort of breakthrough result is to do something that's different. Because the fact is is that no one's been able to prove anything. So if we we if we have to think outside of the box, using especially all of the cutting to edge technology that is available. And again, when you're out there, there is always a calculated risk. To me, reckless would be, you know, running at something full charge, thinking that you're the same size. Mm-hmm. But I think that the way that we do it, I mean, we, we honestly, we, we conduct it like any other professional scientific expedition when we're out there. And it's not reckless, but it's risky. The Boo Crew will be right back. Here in this primitive river-bottom wilderness in southern Arkansas, along with deer, duck, crane, and beaver, lurks a creature that walks upright. Whether it is a man, a monster, or a myth, no one really knows. What we do know is the people around Falk, Arkansas, say they have seen such a creature nearly 250 times since 1954. And that this creature, whatever it is, emits one of the most terrifying sounds ever recorded. Creek, rated G. Yeah, Dr. Mayor, what are some of the leading theories amongst the primatologists, zoologists, or cryptozoologists as to why this creature is the reigning hide-and-seek champion of all time? 
Well, uh, that's actually a specific question that I asked um, Jane Goodall. And her response, which makes a lot of sense to me, is that we may be dealing with something that is that intelligent. I think that as humans, we tend to think that we're at the top of the food chain, uh, that we are, you know, sort of the, the, the smartest of all the beings. We have come to learn that even, you know, chimpanzees, right, our closest living relatives, they have real culture, they have actual wars within their groups. There are actual politics that happen within those groups. There's a lot of social dynamics that comes from having a very high level intelligence. We may be dealing with something a lot smarter. And so that could be a, a one reason why, in fact, we've not been able to find it the way that we think we should have by now. Are there species that have, do you believe there are species that can evolve that, that one of their main evolution purposes is to be elusive? Sure. I think that there are tons of examples in the natural world of animals, for example, that, that camouflage in a way where they are completely invisible to the naked eye. I mean, there's, there are uh, certain uh, geckos and chameleons that blend in, like they change color as they step onto a substrate and even have moss that grows out of their back. And really when they're laying there, it is absolutely impossible to see them. And then one of the things that I think surprises most people is, well, if an animal is that big, wouldn't you hear it? Wouldn't you see it? And it seems so counterintuitive to think that they are actually masters at hiding. And again, bringing up the gorilla example, I have had an entire family of gorillas, including the largest of the silverbacks, just a few feet away and walked past them multiple times. And you would never, ever know that they were there. And part of that is, is we do not, we, we came out of the forest many, many years ago. We are no longer our skilled ancestors. We're no longer arboreal, you know, spending more time in the trees. These are, these are creatures that that is their habitat. That's their turf. They know how to keep hidden if they want to. And they know the landscape and can maneuver the landscape a lot better than humans can. I was just going to say, I think we're always under the assumption that when when we go on one of these expeditions and arrive in new territory, that our presence has already been made known. If there are, in fact, those creatures there, they would hear us. They would smell us from miles away. So we just go about doing our business in the hopes that uh, they perhaps become interested or curious about what we're doing and get closer to us as we get closer to them. Yeah, there are eyewitnesses that you guys have spoken to that talk about these creatures that disappear in mid-stride or from a crouching position perhaps vanishing from yeah. our very own reality which leads to the idea that some of these creatures are interdimensional perhaps that made me uh think of the unique places on earth like the bermuda triangle or the silent zone in mexico has the area of olympic the olympic peninsula in washington been investigated by physicists or for anomalies in electromagnetic activity or gravity you know, I'm not I'm not sure, but it wouldn't surprise me one bit. And look, this is this str is what I call this stranger aspect of Bigfootery. We encounter it on our expeditions. There's a lot of things that are unexplainable, as Maria was discussing earlier. And I've spoken with witnesses who have seen personally these creatures de dematerialize or cloak themselves or camouflage. And, you know, what makes their testimony any less valuable than somebody who saw that that didn't happen? You know what I mean? Um, so I take whatever we hear, you know, these people have a testimony and, and I would be remiss to leave out those details that 
this creature dematerialized. I'm interested in that. You know, there's a lot of unexplainable phenomena that comes in this field of Bigfoot, strange lights, uh, dematerializations, cloaking, camouflaging. I have no idea as to what this stuff is, but, you know, if we encounter that or witness that in the field, we're going to want to look into it. One of my favorite uh, reveals is that you talk about in the Washington Environmental Atlas that Bigfoot actually appears back in the 70s as something to watch out for and that there's been sightings, uh, you know, all across that area. Russell, according to you, do, do you think the government knows about Bigfoot? I think they know so much more than they'll ever disclose to us from just now starting to just openly discuss UFOs. And it's... I. For a fact, I know that they keep a lot of things from the general public just because of the reaction of the general public. So I would say my guess would be that they know. They have a lot more information than what they share. Do you think everything that we as a society have been through, that everybody is ready if the government had information about Bigfoot? Do you think that people would be more accepting of it now? Well, I don't think they would have any motivation to reveal their evidence. You know what I mean? They were sort of their hand was forced with the UFO subject. So uh, unless the same happens with what they know about Bigfoot, I don't think they'll be revealing anything anytime soon. I need to know. Russell, you were going to say something? <laughs> you, you, you nodded your head. No, Russell, too. Uh, I don't think they're I don't think they're going to disclose anything um, that profound right now. And, and like Bryce said, they were they were pretty much backed into a corner and had to acknowledge um, some of the stuff that they have as far as planetary communication or UFOs. So I don't think we're ready for it. One of the most compelling things about what you guys have done on Expedition Bigfoot are the witness testimonies and interviews we touched on earlier. They're very unsettling to watch, to say the least, and extremely emotional. And there are a lot of those moments. You've even listed a, a hypnotist on the Dark Memories episode. Mm. How have those moments impacted you well they've they've told me that these people are experiencing something you know and when i sit down and speak with them i i get a general sense that they're not putting me on they're not you know they're not fabricating this story a lot of them are very hesitant to reveal their encounter story and when i sit with them and i speak with them you know there's not a there's not a therapist in this country worth their salt who wouldn't hear these people tell their testimony and then say okay they're obviously experiencing some type of post traumatic stress because you know when they tell these stories they relive it you know i can see the hair on their arms raise i can see their voice tremble so they're actually you know i just believe that they had an encounter they've experienced experienced something that is completely profound to them so you know it's an incredible part of this mystery and they're they're extremely valuable because you know it's the people who have seen this creature who can tell us most about, you know, how it lives its life. What are its what are its habits? You know what I mean? These are where we get a lot of our clues and what we know about Bigfoot is from witness encounters. Mm. When I hear those witness encounters, you know what it does? It it terrifies me. It makes me really scared. <laughs> it does. does that do the same to you guys? I mean, the, just to see some of the fear in these people's eyes as they recount seeing this thing for the first time, something that is really unexplainable looking almost. What, just, what does that make you feel? I, I'm just all, honestly, I'm always just really moved when people reach out like via email, for example, I'll get lots of uh, people 
saying, I've never told anyone. In fact, I've Mm. been married for over 30 years. I've never even had the courage to tell my wife Mm. or they're a police officer or they're, uh, you know, military. And they all, uh, their stories are really uh, consistent, detailed, and very full of emotion and almost like this relief. You feel the sense of relief that they're being, they're able to share their story for the first time and, and, and not be judged. Uh, which I think, you know, there's such a stigma surrounding it. And hopefully through the show, that stigma will lessen because really all we have is those accounts to go by at the moment that really help us in in the pursuit. Yeah. From the 16 inch set of footprints you guys were able to find, uh, were you guys able to ascertain the creature's weight from that or perhaps uh, collect any DNA samples from that and any analysis uh, from that? Well, Maria actually did a, a conversation with uh, Dr. Jeffrey Meldrum, whose whose area of expertise is is uh, locomotion in primates. So he took a look at the track that Russell discovered in Washington, and uh, you know he felt that it was it, it it held all the markers for a legit track of that size. I'm not sure, Maria, if he discussed a weight, but uh, that's a pretty big print. No, I mean, so one of the things when you think about it, the the, the terrain uh, that we were working with, it would be pretty difficult to sort of assess the weight. So what we're looking at is consistencies in different features. And like Bryce mentioned, Dr. Meldrum actually has a very specific list, almost like a checklist, that this one met all the right factors and would actually be very difficult to to fake, to duplicate. So that was encouraging. As far as it, uh, the DNA goes, as far as getting DNA off the prints, I mean, I did collect uh, eDNA samples, uh, did not get anything that was significantly different. It's very possible because when you're working with eDNA, it degrades really quickly with with the the, the elements and, and that sort of thing. But we were able to get uh, eDNA from different locations that yielded some really i mean really crazy results which again we'll we'll be talking about in that in that pre-show uh on march 20th yeah and that leads us to so the finale of season two came with a cliffhanger closer than ever and arguably your most compelling evidence yet and this race against the clock as the wildfires erupted around the base camp in washington so what is going into season three? Are we returning to Washington? Where are we at with the evidence? What's going on as soon as we get into the first episode of season three? Well, I think the well, fans are going to be really excited because we could hear them on social media. They all wanted us to go back to Washington and uh, and they couldn't be more right. I mean, and that's exactly where we went. So uh, we're picking up right where we left off and uh, and it does not disappoint. <laughs> I think that was one of our worries is, you know, we were so seemingly hot on the trail of something when the fires pushed us out. So to be able to go back was actually like redeeming, right? Like we wanted to go back, but we didn't know if we would be able to pick up right where we left off. Because as you know, animals, you know, they move, they migrate. Maybe we went back and didn't have as much luck, but nothing could be further from the truth. And now we came at it even more experienced in that area and really knowing the terrain. And we were really able to hone in to different parts that we weren't able to the last time. So like it just led to be the, the most exciting of all the expeditions we've had so far. And Ronnie, what can you tell us about that area just in general, as far as its history of Bigfoot sightings and what put you and the team 
uh, in that area in particular? I mean, it's known as the Mecca when it comes to, you know, Bigfoot sightings and, and encounters. And in the Pacific Northwest, they just have a, uh, it's more accepted to believe in Bigfoot as opposed to where I'm at, where it's, it's just considered crazy. But people have these, uh, these different experiences out there. And the terrain is, is like a jungle, it's uh, like a rainforest. So the, the habitat is perfect for it. And it, it feels like there's times you feel like you're on the set uh, of a Jurassic Park or something because you're in this terrain that just is um, you can see something like a Sasquatch be able to hide really easily in certain areas where people are just not trekking into. Yeah. And that's something to bring up too the scenery and I guess the, the cinematography uh, really of how everything is presented and the show itself and the journey it takes us as a viewer is really overwhelming and stunning. What are the mechanics of how that's put together? What are we seeing? Are you guys wearing GoPros? Are there drones capturing stuff? What is what is going on? What's the magic if we peek behind the curtain a little bit we, as far as we capturing? Just, we have it? the most amazing crew on the planet. Like they're yeah. just incredibly talented, hardworking, committed. And, if, and when you think about it, everyone talks about about all the sort of the the dangers that we're facing and the, the crazy stunts that we're doing to get to, you know, go rappelling down into a cave and, you know, rappelling off a trestle, all of these things. But there's a crew there with us, a very light crew. Uh, you know, we, Zach is off with, uh, with Russ and then we've got two people with us, but they're, they're facing those same dangers to bring those images to everyone because it is such an important part of the story, like the, the, the challenges, the terrain, as Bryce mentioned, so many places that are almost impossible to get to because of how difficult it is. That's where you would expect to find the animals that want to remain hidden, but to get to it, it's tough. And then try doing that with a really heavy camera on top of you. Mm. So they're just amazing. Like kudos to our crew. I, I was just going to say to to follow up with that. I think that's what makes our show different from a lot of the other Bigfoot shows that you see is, 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 you know, we wanted to up the technology. We wanted to up, up the field expertise and we also wanted to up the visuals. You know what I mean? So these, these camera guys and girls, they are incredible and, and they filmed the hell out of our location. So it's a visual experience like nothing else. What I love about this type of show, I call it adventure television. You get to sit on your couch and watch us visually take you into these dark and mysterious wooded areas. And it's, it's such an experience. Uh, and those, you know, those incredible shots help do that. Oh yeah. They are very capable as our eyes and ears. That's for sure. And Dr. Mayor, is there a good hypothesis as to where this Bigfoot creature stands in the predator prey model in nature? Is it known to be at the top of the food chain perhaps or, or feared by all animals uh, it encounters so, or is there some <laughs> unknown like symbiotic relationship it's very difficult to say because we don't have you know the let's say the the teeth right the skull the the uh eyewitness accounts is what we have to go on and, and you know ronnie could very much speak to that but basically all of the reports that i've read is that you've got an animal that likes to hunt right that hunts deer or that that uh um, fishes, uh, you know, setting up fish traps. So it sounds to me like a predator. The the only and why I hesitate is that gorillas, for example, they're they're vegetarians, right? They're not hunters. Um, and in fact, most primates are not. But then you do have examples from chimpanzees where they will 
uh, not just they'll, they'll collectively hunt. Like they set up a little militia where, you know, they've got the drivers that drive in the prey and then they've got the catchers on the other side and then something in the middle kind of trying, trying to confuse them or to head them, push them towards the catcher. So like, it's a really organized hunt, which is kind of unheard of in the primate world. So it, it's not out of the realm of possibility that you're talking about a predator. It's just that it doesn't match up with what we currently know about known apes. Um, but, but Ronnie, you, you, you take the end of that one because all of the reports that I hear from you kind of suggest predator. Yeah. I mean, there, there seems to be um, a lot of reports too, where the bears are afraid of the Bigfoot. They, they kind of, so it seems like they are that apex predator in the food chain where they are seen sometimes as reports of Bigfoot being seen with big cats, which doesn't make much sense. But then, you know, there's, there's evidence of animals working together to hunt. Um, but there's some different reports that just kind of say there's this, there's some interesting things going on about this, but they seem to be opportunistic. There's a lot of reports when people are berry picking uh, and fishing. So they, uh, a lot of those reports, a ton of them are them chasing after deer. So we know that that is a, a big food source. I love this idea of Bigfoot having its own cat now. I can't get over that. I think that's <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> do they, what did do you they, say? Do they, have, do they have leash laws, Ronnie? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a message to you listening right now. If you want an adventure like no other and to experience real life, real world scientific discoveries made in real time in front of your eyes on a television as it pertains to one of the world's greatest mysteries do not miss expedition bigfoot is fantastic season three again march 20th on the travel channel and discovery plus you guys the team thank you so much for hanging out with us and congrats on season three we can't wait Thank you so much. Hey, that was the Boot Crew Podcast, episode 309. Special thanks to our guests, Bryce Johnson, Dr. Maria Mayer, Russell Acord, and Ronnie LeBlanc. At time of release, you can catch season three of Expedition Bigfoot on Travel Channel and Discovery Plus with brand new episodes Sundays, 10, 9 Central. Production tracks for this one provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, Trev for the Boot Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the bloody disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network. Home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews. SCP archives. Weekly full cast storytelling. Horror queers. Genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective. And creepy. For disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.